Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, a different woman shares her story, often in a live setting, with the bottom line being that God is good. You all have been so wonderful to share these stories with friends. It has helped the podcast to reach new ears, and we've been able to connect more women who share these common stories and circumstances. So keep sharing on social media, forwarding our emails to your friends. And also, if you get a chance to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, that would be amazing. All of those reviews help the podcast to increase its presence and reach on iTunes and in the podcast world. This episode's storyteller, Anna, calls herself a recovering Southern Bible Belt good girl. Growing up in a nurturing Christian family in a wonderful church, Anna had all the support and tools to build a strong faith. But being someone who enjoys keeping rules and achieving success, Anna began building her sense of worth in her performance and achievements. God revealed to her that she was much more caught up in perfecting Christian Anna than in Anna needing and pursuing Christ. And I'm sure many of you can relate, I know I do, to placing your identity in your resume or reputation or even in things like our children's good behavior. And eventually these goals or pursuits or people fail us. And in those moments when we feel let down and disillusioned with life and sometimes disappointed with God, those are the moments where we can grow. For Anna, these moments allowed her to experience God's faithfulness and provision in new and powerful ways. So here is Anna on learning to trust God with her past, present, and future. So back in December of 1964, when all of you, I'm pretty sure, were just a twinkle in God's eye, um, I was a bright and shining star on Christmas morning. I was born at St. Vincent's Hospital right over the mountain here. I was born on Christmas morning at 9 a.m. in the Catholic Hospital. A lot of y'all have heard me tell this story before. Um, the, the nuns came walking down the hall singing Silent Night. And um, 9 a.m., I was bundled up in this little blanket, and they tucked me down in a giant Christmas stocking, and they handed me to my mom and dad. I was their gift Christmas morning of 1964. Isn't that just beautiful? I say to people, I love it. I love that I was born on Christmas morning. I say to people, God loves you, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> um, so, but that seems like right now a lot of us and oh, that's so sweet. That's just so precious. And it is. But very quickly, my parents had cold water splashed in their face. The dream was shattered when they realized that I was born with a significant problem. And what that was was a severe cleft lip and palate. Um, back then, they didn't have ultrasounds. They had no idea. They had not had this anywhere in their family, and they were shocked. My mom was in her early 20s. She had just become a Christian. They had just moved to Birmingham. She did not know hardly anyone. And she was in sheer panic of how am I going to take care of this little baby? I have a two-year-old sister at home, and she said, I can't do this. She wept and cried as my dad went to the nursery with me, and she basically said, I can't do this, but 
now, God, you've been introduced into my life, and I'm choosing to believe that you're in control of all things. Would you come and help me take care of this little baby? I didn't weigh 10 pounds till I was six months old. Um, she had to feed me every two hours. I had much trouble um, gaining weight, multiple problems the first 18 months of my life. And if you had told her back then that I would be standing in front of a microphone as a, as a um, communicator, she would have said, there is absolutely no way. But you know what, y'all? All the things that we see that that could never happen, God just says, hold on just one minute. Hold on just one minute. Let's see what I can do. Look to me and my faithfulness and my provision. So as I was in that hospital with, um, with my mama, her neighbor who had befriended her, an older lady with a beautiful garden in English Village, showed up in the hospital room. She was a seasoned a just precious believer who spoke truth into my mom. And she said, Jane, I want you to know that Anna's life is not a mistake. I want you to know that God is her father and she is his child and he does not make any mistakes. And you can choose to see this thing that happened in her life. You can choose to see it as, oops, oh well, how are we going to make this work? Or you can choose to see it as God sees it. And God has created this baby girl and brought her on Christmas morning for a purpose. And it's your job as her mother to help her see what that purpose is and ask God for his help. And so my mom chose to believe. She brought my mama a little brown package wrapped up and put it on her lap in the hospital and said, this was mine, but now it's for you because you need it more than I do. And it was this picture right here. Um, it says he faileth not and she said to my mom there are going to be many days that you feel like God has failed as you go through surgeries or when Anna might be made fun of at school or when Anna might be doubting her security and her little self image you need to say to yourself and be reminded that he faileth not that is the secret to living a life based on God's provision for me not my own not my own. Y'all can come and look at this after the, the time um, around the side of the frame. It's different scriptures that tell you about everything in life that does fail. That, 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 that my eyes fail. The money fails. The waters fail. My flesh fails. Um, their hearing, their hearts fail them. Everything fails together. So let's just go ahead and put that out right now. You will all nod with me when I say, life has failed you. Can I get a nod? <laughs> life has not turned out like Anna Nash thought it was going to turn out. It seems like when I choose to listen to the lies in my head that, that God's failed me. It seems like he's failed me. So fast forward to my preschool days. I went to a preschool in English Village, and um, one morning my mom picked the carpool up, and I was bundled up in a little fur coat and pink tights, and it was freezing, and they shoved us all in the car, and we closed the doors, and we didn't have seat belts or booster seats back then or car seats, and my mom took off through an intersection in English Village, and the door had not closed tightly. And little Anna slid across the seat, the door flew open, and I flew into an intersection on an icy street. My mom pulls over, hysterical, if you can imagine, and this man pulls over behind her and says, I think you ran over her leg. Let me go help you find her. There was a little hill in a ravine. 
my mom and the man pursued me and ran down that hill and she scooped me up. I was crying. She rushed me to the doctor. They stripped me down and I did not have one broken bone or need one stitch and nobody had run over me in any way. And I remember as a tiny girl that night, my mama and daddy sitting me down. My parents began to help me see in struggle and hardship, brokenness and failure. They began to help me see a God who makes all things new, who makes all things right, who is our healer, who is my provider, who is my shepherd. So that is the God that I began to know. From the day that I was born in the hospital, to kindergarten, to elementary school, when I wanted to catch a bridesmaid's book, a bridal bouquet, and during the wedding I said to my daddy, would you pray I catch the bouquet? And he said, you are the shyest girl I know, and you're not going to catch the bouquet, and I'm not going to pray it. I said, daddy, I want to catch the bouquet. And he said, oh God, please answer this prayer. Help her faith. The bride came running out and threw the bouquet over all the heads. She was crazy bride, kind of very scatterbrained. And the, the bouquet flew over all the bridesmaids, over my dad's head, where I was hiding behind him because I was very shy, and it landed at my feet. And I picked it up, and I looked at Daddy, and I said, um, he did it. He did it. And my dad was just like, Wow. <laughs> God really loves Anna and wants to build her faith from an early age for some reason. All right, so St. Vincent's Hospital, Brad Bouquet, He Faileth Not. I lived a charmed spiritual childhood all the way through high school. Everything seemed to work accordingly. God packed my backpack of spiritual resources and spiritual nursing, nourishing with every single thing on the list of what it means to be a Christian. Y'all, if it was on the list, Anna Nash had done it. Couple that with a natural bent that I had internally to do the right thing. You know, some people just find it more easy for some reason, like two of my kids, they just are rule keepers. And then other people just are rule breakers. <laughs> so two of my children, you know who you are, are the rule breakers, the risk takers. Um, but I was just one of those that had a natural bent to keep the rules. And very quickly, I learned that I was praised for being a rule keeper. And the more rules I kept and the more ways I performed here in Birmingham, Alabama, the more people applauded me and the more life became about a Christian um, American dream Anna Nash. Um, I grew up at a large organized church with tons of opportunity to feed this in me. I want you to hear me very clearly. It is I am not discounting Bible study, discipleship, life group, home group, vacation Bible school, devotionals, tithing, missions trips. I am not discounting any of that. I had plenty of opportunity for all of that, and it all plays a great part in my big story. But y'all, it is so not about that. And for me, I began to make my life about those things, the things on the Christian list, if you will. Um, Mary Tyler, my high school sweetheart, um, we had four children. We raised those four children. We were raising them in a Christian school in a really wonderful church, um, just doing all that we knew to do to make our Christian family dreams come true. And all those dreams were coming true, and life was good until 2007. In 2007, I think the Lord began to say, Oh, Anna, there is so much more to life than this. And it's going to be a rough ride. 
But hang in there because I'm with you. I'm not going to fail you. He faileth not. Here we go. In one year, my entire world came crashing down. The fast um, bullet points of that would be that we had received a large inheritance, um, financial inheritance, and we had built our dream house, which we were using for ministry. Um, anyway, um, it was a wonderful house. Um, we loved it. It was a joy to build it. Um, we lived there for five years. I call it my sanctification house. Um, while we were building it, we were living in a tiny rental house right around the corner. And it was really, really fun. My kids were enjoying high school years. And um, 2007 came, and when we had this inheritance, we built this house. We invested in a lot of property to flip for vacation homes, and you can do the math on the timing of this. You know where this is going, because that's when the economy crashed. And um, and y'all remember it crashed overnight, and you're hearing stories on the news about people that were having to pay money to get out of houses that they own. They were having to actually pay for houses that they own just to get out of the, the burden of the um, loan. Um, my... My son, my oldest, who I did every single thing perfectly with, he rebelled. And I had done everything on his list because I was that kind of parent. And it was crazy to me that he ended up walking away from God, um, walking towards all kinds of things that the world had to offer, and ended up in jail. Wow. I was keeping a secret, by the way, about all these things that were happening because I didn't want y'all to know. I had to keep it up. I had to work very hard to keep up the dance of letting you see me as the successful Christian Anna that I was. And the Lord said, okay, we're going to keep working on this. We're going to keep working on this. Um, both of our families experienced extended families, um, friend, family of divorce and a lot of nieces and nephews. My extended family was breaking. My parenting, um, good parenting righteousness was falling apart, ripping apart the shreds. Our financial picture, our house was becoming coming into foreclosure. And my husband was getting depressed. You don't really find a job with a psychology major degree um, at age 45 very easily. Um, he started mowing yards. I started cutting hair. We're living in this beautiful house, pretending like we have a beautiful world, while everything on the inside was crumbling, including our marriage. Do you want me to come back next week and talk about marriage? Because that's... <laughs> um, got, I've got that talk. <laughs> so I was severely codependent. I had to prop them all up. Come on, kids. Keep doing it. Come on, Tyler. Keep doing it. Don't get depressed. Keep looking for that job. Come on, Anna. Go to your discipleship group. We got, we got to keep this ship afloat, and it's all up to Anna to make it happen. And the Lord said, okay, Anna, we're going to do a little bit more work. We're going to keep on going until you get to the very end, because at the very end, I have something to offer you that you never even dreamed of. And y'all, this is not that long ago, not that long ago at all. We sold our house in the last hour before it went into foreclosure. And guess what? We had to find somewhere to move really, really quickly because of how quick the house sold and how bad we needed it to sell. And guess what? He took me to a rental house right next door to the rental house that I lived in when we were building the house. And I was like, I will never go back there again. And the Lord's like, we're going, we're going. We lived there for five years in that little rental house I call my redemption house. 
because that is the time that God began to redeem me. Because you see, when you're at the end of yourself and your picture of the way life, you think life should be, crumbles and crashes down, and you get to the end, you say, okay, if it's not about this, what is it about? I'm needy and I'm broken, and all of my friends and family began to see this. And so that's my question to you this morning. What is on your list? And y'all, I'm still fabricating my list. I want you to know this is nothing that I'm completely recovered from because I'm broken. I'm full of self. I want my life to be comfortable, and I want it to be according to ways that I want it to work. But when I got to the end... I'd had no husband to speak of. We were still married, my children. We were in the rental house, and that was it. I was stripped bare. The Lord began to say, I still love you. I care about you. Are you ready to come home? I read the prodigal son in a new way like I had never seen it before. And it was not, I was not identifying with the prodigal because that's the rule breaker. But there is a rule keeper in the story, and it's the elder brother. I was angry at God, and I was like, oh, I did all of this. Do you know how many hours I have taught your Bible? (laughs) Do you know how many vacation Bible club schools I have sweated and sat on the floor with toddlers? Do you know how many times I've gone on missions trips and not washed my hair for days? Like, what is this? I have done everything that I thought I was supposed to do, and this is the thanks I get. I wanted God to reach down out of heaven and pat me on the back and say, Anna, you're doing a really good job. Keep it up. I'm just being very honest with y'all. That's a fair thing to say. But when I began to identify with the elder brother, because guess what? He watched the party going on for the broken, the prodigal, the one who was returning home, who had nothing, was empty, hungry, naked, and bare. And he got jealous. And he went to the dad, and he was like, What's up with this? I stayed here. I stayed with you, and you're not throwing a party for me. I was rocked to the core. I got in my car, and I sobbed, and I drove all the way to Rossbridge by myself. And I thought, how did I miss this? I am so sinful in the way that I've used my feats for God instead of looking at Jesus and his feats for me on the cross. I stayed at Rossbridge. I can take y'all to the chair I was sitting in. And I cried, and I kept reading that story and reading that story, and I'm thinking, I had the flannel graphs when I was five. How did I miss it? I had missed it. It wasn't that I hadn't um, been a believer. I believe that I was a child of God. I just believe in his timing and his glory in my life for his story. And for whatever reason, this became a reconversion in my life. But I had to give myself permission to be broken. And that's what I want to say to y'all this morning. Give yourself permission. I remember I was in a codependent therapy group. Yes, I've done that. (laughs) And I remember when I was just still so like locked up and I've got to be this for all them. And this person came up to me at the end and said, Anna, I just want to let you know, it's okay to make mistakes here. And y'all know what? That offended me. Grace is offensive. To the lawkeeper. Julie Sparkman wrote a study called Idol Addiction. Some of you have been through it. It's called Facing Our False Gods and Restoring Our Sanity with the Gospel that We Thought We Knew. That was me. I thought I knew the gospel. And when I went through that study with Julie, um, I just, it rocked my world. 
I couldn't I had a list of idols and I had a whole journal of idols and it was so freeing because guess what? You're free to talk about your sin and your brokenness and your idols when you know it's covered. And so this new understanding of the gospel and I the gospel is really good news. That's what the word gospel means. We use the word gospel so much here in the Bible Belt, and I know there's some people here that are not from the Bible Belt, but I know that y'all got that word. When I said it, y'all keyed in to some sort of understanding that you have about the gospel being raised in the Bible Belt. I used to think the gospel was for the unbeliever. It was an offering of salvation to go to heaven in a little package that I could share. They would believe it, buy into it, and then they would live a life with Christ and go to be with Him in eternity. That's what I thought the gospel was. I didn't understand that the gospel is not just the igniting for someone who's going to become a Christian, but it is the fuel for the engine all day, every day, for the going every day, hour by hour, minute by minute, life that I was living. I'm so grateful that I'm not standing up here in front of y'all today because I should, or I'm supposed to, or I should really be a good representation of Christ, or this is part of my Christian journey. Some of those things are true, but y'all, the reason I'm standing up here today is as a broken person who's found hope, and I want you to know about it. That enables me to walk forth and shine. Philippians 4, 19, it says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. In Christ Jesus. Y'all, I think I need so many things. I think I know what is good. Right now, this weekend, I think I know the way I want my life to be, what I think is good. But choosing God as my provider and saying that He's my Lord, I'm choosing to say this weekend, what your good is, is better than mine. Even when it doesn't look like it. So working with Julie Sparkman, we developed idol addiction, and I love doing that. I'm going to give you all the fast bullet points because I don't think I have much more time. Um, We um, did unhitching from the crazy train, and during that time, I started doing some small business coaching for some bread and butter. Um, And I was hanging out with women whose lives were ignited based on their passions, their gifts, and their strengths, and they were doing cottage industries and freelancing, and I was loving hanging out with them, and I'm an idea girl, and um, that grew and grew, and we developed an organization called Beacon People, Guiding, Connecting, and Launching People Driven by Purpose, and um, that's based on Matthew 5, that if God has given us a light, that we will shine it on a hill and not hide it under a bushel. And I left Julie's organization, Julie Sparkman Restore Ministries, one of the best counselors in Birmingham. If you need somebody to hold your feet to the fire about how you're choosing to believe, and based on the gospel, I highly recommend them. Um, That time, my husband got a job at a coffee shop because we were broke. We began to heal in our marriage by um, stripping apart from one another and being so dependent on one another um, and trying to make life work based on each other. Um, I have a sign in my bedroom that I gave him for our anniversary two years ago that says, you be you and I'll be me. We were learning for each of us to be ourselves and our identity in Christ apart from one another and apart from our marriage. And that's begun to build a really beautiful relationship between me and Tyler. We're still on the very front end of it. And I'm not sure what it's going to look like, but God is my provider and he faileth not. And I'm choosing to believe that he's going to continue to provide for my marriage and my family. So one day Tyler came to me and said, do you want to open our own coffee shop? And I said, absolutely not. (laughs) 
I was beat. I was like a bloody pulp at this point, if you can imagine. Because we had come through this season, and the Lord was beginning to show me purposes in it. And I was turning 50, identity crisis of empty nest, and I was just really saying, Lord, I want more. I'd never had the gift of writing, um, but I just started writing in a book the day I turned 50 in my journal, and I just said, I want more. I want to believe as if I haven't even seen my best days. And he answered that prayer, and he gave me a book called Pathfinder, a journey towards purpose that's an interactive journal that is a path for people to walk on to um, begin to find God's purposes in their life no matter where they are in finding him right about the same time my parents came to us and said we're going to downsize and do y'all want to consider looking at trying to buy our home which is the home I lived in when I caught the bride's bouquet And the home I woke up in on the morning of our wedding, Um, we ended up being able to get that house. We've lived there about a year, and I call this, um, oh, wait, 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 wait. I wasn't going to forget. I have my sanctification house, my redemption house, and now I'm in my heritage house because that's been the story of my life, that God is my dwelling place. On my worst days in the kitchen that did not match in my tiny rental house, with people not hitting their heads on the cabinets because the cabinets hung too low. And on the worst day of that, and I know it's all relative, but for me that was hard. It was tiny and it was a very dark house. To this day of waking up and picking flowers in my mama's garden and being in the heritage house, God is good. And I want to say much of the theme of storytellers, y'all read this everywhere, is you're going to hear about the goodness of God. You're going to hear about the goodness of God. They say it. Kelly says it on every podcast. It says it all over their website. I have to remind you, it's God's goodness, not yours. And those are two completely different things. And are you choosing to live your life based on first thing happiness, the kinds of things that you think would make you happy? Are you choosing to believe to step above that and say, I don't know, but you do. In my prayer closet at the um, Redemption House, I had this written huge on a poster just with a marker. And all it said was, I don't know, but you do. And I hung it in that closet and I would go in there and I would sit in my chair and I would just look at that. And that was enough. I didn't have to sit in there and pray Bible verses or open my Jesus Calling or journal or open my Bible study. Again, those are wonderful things. But the most important thing is just seeing God as He longs for you to see Him. That's it. Do you see Him today as a God that's not going to fail you in all of your places? Do you see Him? Even when it doesn't make sense, even when you can't do the math, even when the formula isn't working, even when you failed again, even when everything in your world does not look like it's working out, guess what? He knows what he's doing. In Jeremiah 33.3, it says, call to me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things you don't know. And I just sit in the closet and say, what are the great and mighty things? Help me believe. So I was doing beacon people and pathfinder groups, and Tyler said, let's open this coffee shop. We had no money for a brick-and-mortar shop, but we decided to jump in with a brand and a story. And we did pop-up shops around town and did some catering. We put it on Facebook, and this was our mantra during that time. Do what you can with what you have where you are. 
Do what you can with what you have with where you are. Because the lies of the enemies would tell us to wait. Oh, don't do that. Do that when you have this or when you're able to do this or when you're more capable. Just wait on that. Wait on that. And we had waited so long. And I think once we realized that we could do this, we could walk by faith. We can do what we can with Tyler's gifts of coffee and um, serving, with my gifts of marketing and branding and developing. We kind of said, let's do what we can with what God has given us right where we are. We turned our house into a coffee cafe. We rearranged all the furniture. We put it on Facebook and Instagram. We invited the world for coffee. Our kids bought us the first equipment that we had, and we hired a a guy to come in and help. We bought a few bags of beans, and people started coming in our door every Saturday, people that we knew and people that we didn't know. We couldn't charge money because the health department, of course, wouldn't allow that. And so we had a little basket on the table, and it said, would you like to contribute to the coffee beans for next Saturday? And people began dropping dollars in. And that is how we began Anova Coffee. Anova is the Latin word for renewal. Renewal is what Tyler wants people to see about our life, that this is a renewal. This is something that's come out of nothing and that God has brought this about and he has made all things new. A year and a half in at Anova Coffee, we've been able to welcome people in our doors. We now have a a coffee shop that's actually housed inside a new apartment, luxury apartment. Um, clubhouse, which is so bizarre. People would say, don't put a retail spot off the beaten path. Well, that's all we had, and we were doing what we could with what we had. And it's been a beautiful experience. And we've quickly come to realize that Innova and the renewal, because of what God has done in our life, is what we would like to offer people at our coffee shop. So y'all come see us. We hope to offer you a spirit of renewal in the community and conversation, along with your beverage and just the feel of the place, that it's safe and um quiet and that it's you're going to be loved and accepted and everybody feels like they belong there so anyway um that um is the god of my today as he has guided he has provided he hasn't been early anytime i could tell you story after story where i thought well this is going to be the time that god fails that he doesn't come through and in the last hour he comes through and his name has become great in my life because of that So lastly, I'd like to speak to the God of my tomorrow. I have journals. I'm a big journaler. If you don't have journals, I would highly recommend it. My favorite devotional books are my old journals. My favorite devotional books. So when we go on a trip or get out of town or when I kind of don't know what I'm going to do next in my time with the Lord, I'll just go and find an old journal and open it up. And I'm so reminded and grounded and have moments of praise and worship about how God has kept every single promise in my life. So my God of my tomorrow, my tomorrow is in my journal that I'm in right now, and it's all the empty pages ahead in my journal. I like to look at those pages. They're empty, and I don't know what's going to be written on them. I just know that the same kind of stories are going to be written on these pages that are written on the past pages. And I feel so thankful. I say to myself over and over again, I do not know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. And that is all I want you to see today. And all I want you to hear on this podcast is don't look for your future. Don't look for security. Um, Don't look for identity. But look for the one. 
who holds your future, the one who holds your identity, and the one who holds your security, because that is where your life is. Psalm 1611 says, Thou hast made known to me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy, and in thy right hand are treasures forevermore. And I cannot tell y'all what those treasures are in your life and what are available for your future. But I'm choosing to believe 1 Corinthians 2.9 that says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. It hasn't even entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. And Ephesians 3.20 says, And he is able to do abundantly um, beyond all that we could ever ask or think. It says exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you could ever ask or think. And I'm a living testament to that today. Nothing of me and everything of him. And that's what I'm choosing to believe. So thank y'all so much. Again, he faileth not. And y'all can come take a picture of this because that's what I want you to see. That guess what? I'm still standing and I'm choosing to trust. And this whole thing about waiting I've decided I better get pretty good at it because that's all of life is waiting. And I'm with y'all in it. Thank you. We're so glad you joined us today for Anna's story. And I hope it will help you recognize the hand of God moving in your own life, the ways he's providing for you, whether it's financially, emotionally, professionally, or relationally. We serve a God who loves us and rejoices over us, a God who affirms a child's faith with a bridal bouquet, and a God who breaks down our defenses only to heal us and build us up stronger than before. The verse that comes to mind is Zephaniah 317, one of my favorites. I actually have it painted on a huge piece of a reclaimed wood barn door, and it hangs in our house as a reminder. But it says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Don't forget to visit our website. It's storytellerslive.org where you can go visit our show notes, find out more about storytellers, but also download your free PDF scripture card that we pass out at our local gatherings. And we will be posting a new episode every Tuesday. So be on the lookout for that. And we're just grateful for you. Thanks for joining us.